The Main Character Podcast is where we celebrate that everyone is a main character of their own intricate lives, challenges, passion, and experience. When you were in high school, what's where where were you? Were you in Baltimore? When I was in high school, I went to St. Bernard Park High School. Uh, again, that's like 25 minutes, 30 minutes south of Baltimore City. It's, uh, it's known for being a, a pretty uh, well-off, decent um, public school. Mm. And is it like a large school or is it a small school? Uh, I'm not sure. I think my class was like maybe 300, 350 people. When you were going to high school, how did you decide what career you'd wanted to go to afterwards? Do you think it was something you thought about a lot or was it something that kind of just came around? I feel like I always define myself as being conscious versus unconscious. I don't think I was conscious in my decision-making or like being like a, uh, a person who can make my own decisions almost until I was like 25 or like reflect on the world. So when I was in high school, I just feel like, and everything before that, including high school, I felt I was very immature and really a product of my own anxiety. And I didn't, um, you know, I may have thought about, like, my parents had told me, hey, you need to think about college. And I was just, like, overwhelmed by, like, what that even meant. Um, you know, picking a career for the rest of your life, essentially, number one, was an odd, kind of an odd idea to me. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of at a point in my life where I just didn't believe that I could do anything. <laughs> like, and my parents would be like, well, what do you like to do? And I'd be like, well, you know, like, well, you you know, I like to uh, play the computer game, The Sims, or something like that. And they're like, well, you could be like a civil engineer. You know, civil engineers, they build things and they, they build bridges. You could build bridges. And I was like, in my head, I just thought, like, that sounds impossible. Like, I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> and my parents would, be, would say, well, they'll teach you. And I just couldn't conceive a time in my life where I would actually have any real knowledge to do much of anything. Where I, which is interesting because I, I I did think that I was smart and I did think that I was capable of like producing in my life. You know, I didn't think I was going to be homeless or anything, but to associate me with, with, with like designing or building a bridge, it's like, nah, it's not going to be me. It's impossible. <laughs> I just had very little confidence in myself for some reason. Um, yeah. In part, mostly because I probably just never really did much in my life. I, I grew up. Uh, with a lot of anxiety and just never really did that much. Like my, I was the last child. So I think my parents were a little bit less forceful in terms of, Hey, what extracurricular things are you going to do? Um, I didn't really learn a language. I didn't uh, take on an instrument. I didn't really I play sports. I played like two or three seasons of baseball when I was like young and that was after years of like contemplating it. <laughs> it was just like, my parents would always ask me if I wanted to do these certain things. And I'd say, um, no, because I don't want people to like watch me do them. Like that freaked mm. me out. Like, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even a question. It was just kind of, that was just kind of self-fulfilling almost. Like I just couldn't even picture myself doing that in front of people. It was like, it was an obvious answer to me. Like, no, absolutely not. Why? I wouldn't want to like step to the plate in baseball and have someone look at me, like have like 10 mm. people be like, 
like I would go to my sister's piano recitals and uh, they'd be like, you could do that. And I'd be like, I would never do that. Absolutely not. <laughs> so mm. I felt like, yeah, growing up as I look back, well, that was really abnormal of me. I didn't really think it was abnormal at the time to have this level of anxiety that like held you back from like, experiencing different things and learning and growing. But uh, as I got older, I'm like, oh, wow, that really probably did hold me back. So that's definitely one of the reasons why I was probably immature as I as I grew older, you know, immature in high school and you know, very immature in college. What uh, what do you think if if you now? Because I would say, and we haven't got into it, but I'd say now, like, you know, you do a lot of things that I think other people would be nervous to do, and you do them like it's kind of second nature, and maybe you don't even recognize that yourself. But like, you know, I mean, what are you doing in like what one week? You're going to a farm in Colorado, and you're just going to be what? What are the yeah, details yeah. around that? Um, I'm not entirely sure. My parents were asking me questions this week, like, hey, what kind of farm is it? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't really look too much into it. I'll let you know who wants to do it. Um, but it's part of this program called Woofing, which I think is the worldwide organization of organic farming. And they have, you know, um, there's people that basically sign up their farms throughout the world, I think, and provide a place for people to, you know, come and help at the farm and in exchange for, um, you know, room and board, basically. So, I mean, you could do it, like, in South America or all over the world. Um, I chose Colorado uh, because of, I'm dating my girlfriend, Leah, out there. And so I thought it was a good way to kind of combine two things into one, seeing my girlfriend as well as, uh, um, you know, experiencing something new. But to your point, like... Um, yeah, like I said, when I was in my mid twenties, I kind of, I kind of came into consciousness. Almost, I feel like, like I've, I've I kind of started really reflecting on like how I grew up and um, what things I really wanted to do for the first time. Like I had my own identity. Like prior mm-hmm. to that, I felt like I was kind of hiding from this anxiety and hiding, um, you know, it kind of being pushed into areas that where I where people thought would be best for me. And I would just accept those things. And I feel like that was the first time uh, when I was 25, when I really kind of came out of it and said, you know what, I think that I need to experience more things. Um, and that was, that was because the catalyst was I had like crippling, not crippling. It was more, uh, you know, low grade, but, but consistent back pain for like a year. Mm. Uh, and how what what year is this? How old are you? When I was twenty five, I tore a disc in my back. Uh, I don't know what I did. I just started having really dull, deep pain in my lower back, and I, you know, immediately, you know, after a few weeks of like trying to fix it myself, went to like a back surgeon, and the person said, "Oh yeah, you know, we'll do some MRIs. You'll probably be fine." And I get the MRIs back, and the t- doctor called me and said, "Like, oh, you're going to need like a spinal fusion." or you'll just never feel good again, <laughs> which which is an outrageous thing to say. Um, but that's what he said. So like, that was a very shocking uh, thing for someone to say to, especially someone who A, hasn't played sports and B, just hasn't ever hurt themselves in their life before. Never had any like understanding of chronic pain or anything like that. So that started like this whole year of, um, you know, it consistently got worse. If you ever look up anything about torn discs, it is exactly kind of how I describe it. It's, uh, it's like a very deep, dull, 
like pain that almost felt like it just was this very interior pain that I'd never felt before. And it would, it would be worse when you're sitting down. So I'd be like sitting at work and like, you're really frustrated because it was just like overtaking my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and also really just take the, it took a mental toll because I'd go to doctor after doctor, I'd go to other surgeons. I'd go, but once I went to Hopkins, like for surgeons, they were like, yeah, we're not going to do surgery on you, which really just kind of like, wait, why, was, why wouldn't they? Well, they don't do spinal surgery on like anyone in their twenties. They're like, you're nuts. Mm. No way. This is like last resort. Absolutely not. Which shows you how like, so that doctor was wrong. Well, he's not wrong. He's just trying to make money. Mm. Well, I mean, that's kind of wrong, right? Like, well, was it than... the best treatment for you? Do you think? Uh, no, no, absolutely no. not. I mean, if, once you, you know, dive into the research and everything, um, I dove deep into the research, deep into everything I could for, you know, six to eight months, um, seeing all sorts of different doctors. I'd go to doctors, like mm. trying not to cry. So, you know, like, I'd have certain doctors who had really good bedside manner and certain doctors who were just like, you're wasting everyone's time. Don't come here. <laughs> wow. They would say that, something like that? that wasn't that, it wasn't that direct, but that is like kind of, that's how, how they left him. They would treat you. Know, you. I think they'd see the, the medical history of who you've been to and stuff like that. And just be like, I don't know what, actually, I think specifically what someone said was, I don't know what you want me to tell you. And I was uh, like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just kind of depressed right now. Maybe you just tell me I'm going to get better. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's, let's, let's pause there for a second and talk about like what, so you've talked about like the challenges that you've had when you're younger and then this back pain, just to kind of skip to the end of the story, you don't have back pain now, right? Was this a problem that you figured out how uh, to solve? No, I do have back pain now. It's much better. And uh, I think it's much better in two realms. Again, as I look back on things, number one, half of the pain is mental. It's just like you're focusing on it. You are not being told that there's any type of solution. And for the first six months, I was deeply depressed because I didn't have, it was just getting worse. And I didn't know how to do anything. And much of the pain cycle is like something hurts. So you stop using that body part because you think that it's going to, you know, be worse if you use it or it'll heal if you give it time to rest. But what happens is like your muscles atrophy. So then the pain becomes worse. So then you again want to like rest it and the muscles atrophy and then it gets worse. And, and like mentally that is a drain on you as well. And as, as when you are depressed and you are like not yourself, pain is amplified. So that's part of the pain cycle as well. So as soon as, you know, after six months or something like that, I said, you know what, I'm just going to try and like fix this through hard work. And I just started doing like push-ups and like, um, I had noticed that, you know, certain things that got my blood pumping again, you know, my heart pumping, uh, push-up sit-ups, just standard stuff like that. Would I, I noticed some change. I noticed some improvement. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I can actually uh, affect this. Because mm-hmm. for six months, I really didn't think I could. And that really, like, melted away a lot of the depression. And it started to feel a little better. And once it starts feeling a little better, you're like, oh, okay, let's keep this rolling. So then I went to some physical therapy again and worked with a personal trainer. And, again, like, once once you have, like, some effect on it, like, the mental side really started kind of going away mm. and it took still like probably two years um, before I mentally could get out of it entirely. And that was like half the battle. 
And then over the years, I think I've just figured out different ways to physically, you know, have it improve. Just again, maintaining my, um, you know, workout regimen, drinking a good amount of water, stretching, things like that. Uh, and right now, yeah, it's been pretty, it's been pretty good. Ten years later, <laughs> mm. but it had definitely been a, a thing for for many, many years. So, do you think that that moment was a pinnacle moment in terms of like? defining yourself and and how you saw the world in terms of agency um that that 20 the year of being 25 and that that the back pain completely pivoted well, i say completely but it certainly pivoted you know my my viewpoint on life and and my own understanding of others mm-hmm. uh, i definitely went into it you know a little bit of a conservative family you know, with these uh, old school mentalities of work hard and you get what you deserve. Um, and I definitely had thoughts of like, I don't understand people with chronic pain. They're just whining. Why don't they get over it? Why don't they work harder? And then when I, when I had chronic pain, I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And I completely misunderstood that, you know, as a younger person. And I kind of have, I think, taken that and expanded it to so many other things, like whether it be like sexuality or race relations or anyone who is, uh, you know, been constrained in their life. Um, I, I see a much, I'm much more understanding of, of what they may or may not be going through, not from mm-hmm. a personal sense, but just from the, the level of subject subjectivity things may have. Um, just also from that experience comes, comes me kind of reflecting on my life and going, wow, it's really not worth it to continuously invest in the future at the expense of today because you never know when you're not going to be able to do something. Mm. So that was when I started saying, okay, I need to go travel. I need to go do things in the now and stop investing in the future as much. I was always a massive, I mean, I'm still big on investment. Um, You know, I have real estate holdings and stuff like that. And I've always been into investing, but uh, investing my time um, for the purpose of future gains was something that I really dialed down after that experience. Um, so again, travel was much more important to me. Uh, I was I got into a master's program for computer engineering, and and I withdrawed and was like not interested <laughs> because I had spent so much time on like structured education. And I knew that I had never, I hadn't been through enough life experience because of all of my anxiety growing up mm. uh, and because of my priorities, you know, post-college of like investing in the future and stuff like that, that I didn't need any more. Like me personally, I don't need any more structured education. I need real life education being that of different scenarios, being in different cities, traveling the world, doing all that type of things. Um, yeah. So that was kind of what started my whole process of like just just exploring the world a little bit more. Not just not just in the sense of uh travel, but also reading. I didn't really read too much prior to that. And now I don't read that much, but I do try to read like a book a month almost for the past, you know, almost ten years now. So there's a lot of wow. different subjects that I've explored, like spirituality, which is something that I've only recently, you know, since then, uh understood to some degree and uh, that's a big part of life uh as well you know other other subjects just 
Spirituality. So what um, have you, what books have you read in that area recently that have been interesting? Uh, I kind of read in, in like groupings of genre. So my most recent genre is like how to not fail at relationships <laughs> uh, or also just kind of like breaking down like how you grew up or like generational um, inputs into how you react uh, with interpersonal relationships. Uh, that's my most recent like genre that I really dove into. Spirituality is something I like dove into mm, probably like four years, four, three or four years ago. Mm. Uh, and I was really into that. And I mean, it's interesting because like, I don't actively, you know, meditate and I don't actively read anything on spirituality, but it, I know that it did pivot my understanding of the world. So that's how I deal with like, or it's what I think about like reading. Cause I don't read with comfort with, long-term memory and comprehension very well like i can't re review for you much of anything i've read like from anything greater than a year ago or something like that or even six months ago but i know that it did like affect me so with spirituality being like three years ago the first thing i read was from my girlfriend at the time um i think it was the power of now by eckhart totally mm. uh which is interesting because it's the most it's like uh, the most recent Kendrick Lamar album is like centered around Eckhart Tolle, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> really? Huh. That's interesting. Um, you were the person who recommended the book Attached to Me. Yeah. Uh, so that's which my most recent. A book that I found to be very insightful in understanding both past relationships, but also like dealing with current and future relationships. Um were the other relationship books that you read similar in how they talked about like the dynamics between people or, or did you find there are many different flavors to, to the specific yeah. books you read? Just a lot of different flavors, not really so much the dynamics. I did just read one. Um, it's called highly sensitive people, um, which kind of, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's a pseudoscience or I know it's, I know it's backed in some level of, uh, um, you know, research, the person writing it, the author is a PhD and has studied it, I think for the most of her career, but I don't know how it's not super prevalent at least. Um, but it just basically just says that like 20% of the population is defined as, as a highly sensitive person. Mm. Um, they did just kind of like feel everything like at a higher level than other people. Um, not just like pain, which would be like a physical sensation, but also just like how people like, interact in a room, um, like bright lights, caffeine, like all sorts of things like that, and how that kind of um, uh, shows itself as as you live your life. And so that was the first book that I that I read on that subject. And then they have another uh, book that's called um, "Highly Sensitive Person in Love." That would be the closest thing to uh, to what you're talking about um, in terms of like how people interact. And it goes through like, how does a highly sensitive person kind of like deal with a relationship with a non-highly sensitive person or like a highly sensitive person with another highly sensitive person? Um, it also introduces this idea of um, sensation seekers. So they, they, they kind of talk about whether you're a highly sensitive person and a sensation seeker versus like a highly sensitive person and a non-sensation seeker. And a sensation seeker is somebody who um, is really interested and like motivated and energized by like 
new things, like new inputs into your mind, like going to different cities are, are different. Uh, living in a city versus suburbia is, is, you know, more sensations. Um, yeah. Anything that would provide you with a, a new act, a new, you know, environment, new things to take in. That's like sensation seeking. Mm. Uh, I guess like various forms of, uh, you know, adrenaline rushing activities is probably sensation seeking as well. Um, Do you think you're sensation seeking? Yeah, I am for sure. It's interesting because, because I'm a sensation seeker and I've, I've, kind of termed myself that prior to me even like reading it in the book like i just need new stimulus or i get bored um and so when that when i read that i was like oh that's cool that's exactly what i like, kind of already defined myself as the interesting thing about me though is that i desire sensation seeking but mm. i have anxiety that holds me back from like reaching that full desirable sensation seeking. So I have to push myself in various areas and just mm. kind of like try and shut down the anxiety uh, to try and meet the sensation seeking that I desire. That's interesting. That's a, it's actually relevant for a concept I've been thinking about a lot, which is I've been trying to be very meaningful about making decisions. So like sometimes you make a decision in the present like, what do you want? What do you need? Like, what, what are you hungry for, right? <laughs> Sometimes you make a decision strategically. But I think there's another way to look at it, which is kind of strategic, but it's in its own way, which is like, how can I make this decision that I'm faced with now, not as an individual today, but as what I think my future self is going to look back and be glad that I made, right? Um, and I think that there's some nuance there is like, Sometimes your future self will look back and be like, yeah, I bet I did wish that I did, you know, I went on that trip or I took that opportunity or I said that thing to that person that I, you know, I wanted to do. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, like we, we don't, I think that a lot of times when you're laying in your deathbed, you think about the things you wish you did. I don't know how often you think about the things that you, you know, I think that that's, right? that should be your next podcast series. Just you need to interview people who are in like hospice or something. See what they say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I am just speculating. Well, um, no, I'm just saying that. That would be an interesting. That actually would be an interesting thing. Um, but in terms of what you're saying, like I, I relate it to what I was saying before, which is when I was younger, when I was what I term as unconscious. Um, you know, I would say like, I I'm not going to go out with my friends tonight because I'm going to work on this thing which will help propel me in my career and that way i will then make more money and blah 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 um but that wasn't what the future self would want would likely have wanted me to do mm -hmm. and once i kind of had these you know experience with my back and stuff like that i said all right screw the future keith well that's interesting actually so it's just a different perspective because future keith in the perspective of like financial security is like yeah don't go out but like future keith in terms of the perspective of like fullness and like like having a 360 degree life that has a lots of different you know facets to it which is what i currently desire uh well-roundedness would prefer if i went out so right. it's it's hard for you to i mean if you're saying like I should make the decision that future Zan would want to make. That's only based on, that's really just based on what Zan wants to do now. 
Right. I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's some <laughs> logical fallacies with it. Um, you know, I mean, the question, cause like the question is how much, how do you balance having fun and doing the things that are important to you and also to build towards a trajectory that you're headed towards? And I think, and again, I'm speculating here. I think the answer really is figuring out ways to align what you do day to day with the things that you want to be doing day to day, right? And I mean, it's easier said than done, 100%. Like I'm not pretending like it's easy, but like at least have the mind, mind like the space in your mind to be able to say, like if, if everything was possible, what would I do, right? And then you can be like, okay, great, write that down. What do I, what can I do that gets me closer to that? Like, is there a path where I can imagine, even if I take myself out of it, a path where there's somebody analogous to me in a similar position, in a different place in life, who somehow hacks it and figures out how to get to the X, Y, or Z. And if there is, which almost always there is, a way that you can imagine somebody could do it, then, you know, what what's different about you and them? And I think that you kind of get, you go down this ladder, you start thinking, well, I mean, maybe you need to take more shots on goal. Maybe you have to like have a higher propensity risk. Maybe you have to go, you know, put yourself out there, but these are all things that like some version of yourself could do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it is, if you take it from a spiritual sense, um, you know, what does everybody want? Everyone wants to be happy, but from like a spiritual sense, it's actually not like, that's not really a thing. It's really just that we want to, uh, accept everything that's, that's, that we have in life. Right. So you understand that sadness and despair will come and then you understand that happiness will also come. Mm. So you're saying like, and this is common in society is to say like, well, just align what you like to do with, with what is going to provide you the most happiness. But I think the other side of it is also just kind of like, but also be aware that you're going to be unhappy <laughs> and, mm. and work on acceptance of that as well. Um, That's powerful. Which isn't to say that like you need to <laughs> abandon things and just accept unhappiness. It's just that um, you kind of need to just do. I think in parallel process of like working hard in and align it with happiness, but also understand that no matter what you do, you're going to find despair and unhappiness at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that is more of the 360 complete understanding of life and will set you up with better expectations no matter what you go through. I mean, everyone's going to have a relative difference in terms of what happiness and despair is, but. I totally agree. And I, I think that I've found value in validating how I feel about things. And, and what I mean by that is like, you know, everyone has these ups and downs and life happens. Life just happens to you sometimes. But if you can, in your own mind, be like, okay, Zan or Keith or whoever, like if I'm here in this moment, and I can kind of describe X, you know, all these things that are happening in my life. And, you know, and let's say, for instance, that you're in a place in your life where like you're dealing with some stuff. It's a relationship. Maybe it's like you lost your company. Maybe, you know, maybe some some circumstance happened that like is really troubling. Well, you can say to yourself, you can say, hey, does it make sense that if this happened, that it would be a pressure on my life to kind of, you know, make it so that I wouldn't be happy? And then if you say that, I mean, you got to be careful with this, but you can say that like, well, in that way, yeah, it makes sense. But I can also imagine this is me now and this is me in the future. And this me in the future has these other things that I found. 
to be able to solve for whatever the problem is. And I can imagine how like, okay, well, if in that case, that would represent a version of me that's happy. I think that, I think that there's some, some realization of like, we're in a time and a place. But the one thing I'll say, which is like, even as I say this out loud, I do feel as if happiness really is something that is internal and isn't tied to like the environment that you're in, even or it is tied to the environment. But like, I think the strongest among us can somehow separate the two. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it goes, well, in terms of your original question of like, how do you balance having fun with with now it's basically how do you balance the present with the future mm. um just balancing fun you know going out with your friends right now versus like investment towards a better future for yourself um yeah i think that you know if i looked back post-college i'd say like just have just as i got out of college like i'm supposed to be married by you know definitely by 30 i'd like to have like two kids i'm gonna be an associate at an engineering company um i don't have any of those things <laughs> and i wouldn't say that i'm currently unhappy so it's just right but this, I this think is what you do being, have you do yeah, have a lot yeah. of things you have i like do a, have the ability to travel the world i am currently I'm, yeah. I'm currently fun employed um i currently and have a lot by of fun employed around. By a fun employee, just to be specific, you've pretty much hacked passive income and you're well, unemployed, yeah. but like by choice, like you decided to take a year and travel the world Correct. and that's what you're doing right now. And so it's like, and I think that's important context because this whole conversation has been like, you're young, you can't imagine self building bridges. I mean, today, like, I don't know if that's your specialty, but I, do you think you could build a bridge? <laughs> absolutely i mean not me specifically because that isn't the area that i went into but like if right. that was what i had went into yeah absolutely um like you do stuff that's harder than building bridges no i mean i you know i'm that's what i'm saying i do something that's on that level you know in terms of my job i could apply it to bridges and be a part of that you know bridge can, can you briefly describe what you do or what you have been doing before taking this year off yeah well, i was working in a, a, a a company that has basically campus and I was working as a facilities engineer running projects uh, as a project manager. And I eventually got into um, the project management and construction of clean rooms, um, which are used for various uh, things, most notably like hospitals, like surgery rooms and um, the production and research and development of like microelectronics. So those both of those things, like hospitals and the production uh, of microelectronics, need to be in a super clean environment that have very few particles in the air. Um, and so it's a little bit of a, a niche uh, building with specific, you know, engineered mechanical systems to ensure the filtration of the air and other, um, you know, necessary things like temperature and humidity. Um, do you have to i imagine this has to be a case do they have to send people in to clean the clean room uh yeah yeah that's that's a constant that's a constant thing i mean definitely during construction you're constantly cleaning during the construction process and they do a deep clean at the end of the construction process and then you take a bunch of measurements and make sure that you know we're within spec mm. whatever the whatever the spec is in terms of how many particles are allowed to be in the air um but yeah i mean the biggest contributor of particles in the air um, fob, just foreign objects in the air, 
is uh, human beings. Human beings' hair and skin is always flaking off. Like we are creators of of these uh, foreign objects. So mm-hmm. just having, you know, by nature, it will always be getting dirty. So you, you know, part of it is is the air is being cleaned by the system that we've installed. But uh, but there's independent people who are cleaning as well. Um, this might be a silly question, but is do you think that that industry draws a lot of people that? you know, are clean obsessive? I don't. <laughs> I, I would imagine that maybe uh, that would be something you would get into. Well, interesting. I mean, for me, at least, I mean, from an outside perspective, that's as difficult, if not drastically more difficult than building a bridge. And, and I know it's not the point, but the idea that like, when we're young, we have this view of the world. And then as we get older, we start realizing our capabilities are actually much like more aligned, if not more like more aligned with what's possible out there and what people are doing and that like everyone's everyone was a baby within a lifetime like everyone has grown up and had a x amount of time that they've been able to create whatever success or not success that they may do and that time frame is is ballpark the same time that we everyone has so yeah i think like when you're when you're younger i agree like you kind of your vision is like the world is very, or at least is how I perceived it. The world mm-hmm. is so super complex and those jobs are super hard and I'll never be able to do that. And my parents are like these supreme beings that know everything. Adults are, are no, like know everything. And I couldn't conceive the process of becoming an adult and becoming one of those all knowing people. Obviously when mm-hmm. you get older, uh, you understand that's not how the world works. <laughs> like smart people and dumb people that are in your classes in elementary school are smart people and dumb people that are like adults. Uh, like mm. the if you go into a particular area, you know, of work, you know, if you're an intelligent person, then you're going to rise to the top. Like mm. that's just how it's going to work. So it's yeah, a lot of things are a lot easier than it seems. Um, you know, even complex subjects are so. Uh, personalized, not personalized, but they're so, um, uh, like, you learn so deep into one subject right. that, like, you can understand this, like, way better than 99.99% of the other, you know, people who haven't learned it. So once mm-hmm. you get into that industry, it, it, it just becomes you know, relatively uh, undifficult, I feel like, at that point. And that's just not something you understand as a, as a kid. You just think like, this is this is insane. I'll never be able to do it. I think that's interesting. I think that um, it's interesting to think that today, at this exact moment, and really for all the perceivable future, unless some crazy stuff happens, the most of the best experts in most subjects are alive right now. Now, like, of course, there's subjects that we've had for thousands of years, then you could say, like, there maybe there's better experts back in the past, and there likely was for many things. But, like, so many things have been invented in a lifetime, or that have been invented in, like, a couple lifetimes, that, like, I imagine you name a, you name a field of science, and you say, who was the best in that field of science, or math, or whatever it may be, and more likely than not, they might be alive today. Well, the way that, like, human the human race is kind of developed is is on the shoulders of giants right which means mm-hmm. like the reason that we in the last couple hundred years have advanced so quickly is because we accepted the idea of a reason over mysticism number one and that was able to kind of uh 
get everyone on board in terms of society in a short period of time. So we all kind of like gave up on like, oh, well, you know, uh, it rained today because we did that dance. Like we gave that up and just said like, oh yeah, there's like weather systems and stuff like that. We did that very quickly. And then once that happened, you know, science was created from, from the understanding of logic and reason. And we maintained information as people died, right? So like all of the leaders of, of whatever reason, um, discipline, you know, science, technology, uh, medicine, those people would devote their lives to something. And at the end they'd say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm dead. And then they had all the information still. So the next person took it and said, all right, well, I can double check all this. And then also I'm creating, you know, new understandings of the world. And then that person dies and they kept doing that for generations. So like when we look back and we learn about stuff, we learn about like these very recent kind of uh, figures who were the forefront at the time. Now, if you compare them to people today, obviously the people today would have a better understanding, but it's all building, building over the last couple hundred years that like, you know, Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I mean, to your point though. Yeah. I mean, we consistently get more knowledge. Right. It's, it's interesting how our development of knowledge is very analogous to how genetics works when it comes to evolution. And what I mean by that is like, like if you're looking at an animal evolving, then it's like one thing that has a new pressure on it that gets affected by that pressure through generations to generations. And the ones that have some sort of mutation that like end up working out, it continue, like it, it grows from that, right? Like it evolves to be something that affects, but everything is, is stuck with the original concept, right? Like, like the human eye, right? We have these blind spots in the back of our eye because veins go over it. And so, and like, if you were to redesign the human eye today, like without having to take it from what it was to creating it incrementally, you would design it differently where you wouldn't have these spots that are blocking it. Right. But it's a, it's an artifact of what it used to be, or, or a better example might be, or an easier example might be like human backs, which are like S curved, yeah. which they only do that because we used to be hunched over and then we straightened up. Right. So my point is that when it comes to the evolution of ideas, many of ideas are built on the foundations of ideas that m may have fallacies in them or may have meta yeah. like metaphors. Right. For sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, I don't have enough information on this or, or background on this, but I'm sure there's so many examples in human history where we continuously thought that the best way to do something was X. And then somebody has to come along and be like, Nope, that is entirely wrong. I know we've done it and we've made it better. I mean, specifically in engineering, I can tell you that like that happens all the time, right? Like the best way to, um, I, I don't know anything about this stuff, but like, um, like the, like the, the development of batteries was probably best, uh, you, you know, in form a, but now it's all form B. So like mm. they, they take technology a and they go through, you know, different cycles of improvement. And then they reach like a max of like, okay, this is no longer, you know, getting much better. Or like, hey, we discovered this entirely new way of doing things that makes battery B two times better. So now we take away A and it's no longer of use. So I guess specifically like easy to think of is like, uh, like tapes, you know, music tapes. Mm. 
like a track to music tapes to cds to mp3s and then we'll never go back right it's all digital now right so we're all like hey this is the wave of the future at the time and then then there might be you know advances in each each one of those but then eventually it's just given up on and a whole new process is started and improved upon until we find a whole new process. That is a good example of how like ideas in general probably work. Do you think that as somebody who has spent a lot of time in engineering, do you think that engineering, I mean, again, it's such a broad topic, but like, do you think that it's evolving? And if it is evolving, is it like doing it rapidly? Or do you think that like, it's kind of stuck in its ways? That is such a broad question. (laughs) <laughs> that I, it's not a bad question. I just, I just don't have like any background on that. Like mm. the engineering process and how that works. It's like saying, is does the science, has the scientific method like evolved? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Has it? <laughs> well, I guess what <laughs> I'm saying a time is like... where we didn't have a hypothesis and they just went with the other steps. <laughs> they're like, you know what? We should add a hypothesis. <laughs> we should start putting guess. I guess in here ahead of time. Um, I mean, like broadly, uh, like AI, I think is something that that really helps engineering and, and the field of medicine because mm. it takes away like it's gonna take the, the human hypotheses and say like, not nah, nine out of ten of them are wrong. I can tell you off the bat. We should right. look at this one, and that saves so much time in terms of like clinical trials and other things like that. Mm. But that's not really like an improvement of engineering process. It's just really like using technology to speed up the existing engineering process, I guess. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, I want to I want to take it back for a minute. And when you were thinking about this person who was yourself when you're young, and you're like, you can't imagine this world. If you came across somebody today that reminded you of who you used to be, what do you think you'd say to them? Like, what do you think your message would be? And maybe you don't have a good, like, it's not about having a perfect answer. It's just, I'm curious about your thought process. Like, what do you wish somebody had said to you back then? Uh, um, Well, if it was a younger person, then you, I just try and inspire confidence in people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you also want to say like, hey, you can't just do whatever you want. You know, if you want something, you systematically figure out a plan to start working towards it. Um, but really just kind of like, you know, inverse of what I was, right? Like, I just thought like, I can't do it. There's no way it's going to happen. I'll just do whatever everyone tells me because I don't have a mind for myself. Um, I would just tell them to kind of like try as many things as possible. Uh, don't you know, don't worry about failing as long as you've learned something from the process. That's fantastic. Failing sucks. And you got to feel that. And then you got to get over it. And then you got to move on and try something else. Um, broad things like that. Yeah, I think I think that's a big thing. Anyone, you know, you can even meet somebody in their mid 20s or something like that and try and just kind of uh, help them understand that they're, they're still really young. Um, they're going to learn an extreme amount you know, the more that they do, as long as they keep pushing forward, they're going to put it all together and do something pretty awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that because I, I think that's exactly what you said to me when we first met. And I, I remember this vividly because uh, we met, what was it, eight months ago? Not, how long ago was it? It was back in Boulder. We were staying in the same house. 
nine months ago, staying in the same house. And um, I was just leaving my company that I had created and worked on for two years. And it was really a tough time. And I, not only that, I was moving out of my, my home for the last, you know, for the larger part of the last 20, 25 years, including where I went to college, including like where all these important things happened. And, and I think that for me, I'm thinking back, like this was nine months ago. I'm thinking back to this time where like, you're like, wow, I put a lot of effort into some stuff that didn't come, didn't come to the fruition that I had wanted it to. Um, a lot of relationships and, and friendships that like weren't where I wanted to be. And, and frankly, I wasn't really in a place where I was like super excited about what the future held. And I remember you saying to me specifically saying, you know, like just the essence of believing in, in me, right. And believing in somebody. And personally, I found that incredibly powerful. And I think that today, like, you know, I'm still like, we're just like everyone. We're still in a, we're still trying to figure it out, but I'm definitely in a, I'm really happy where I am now. And I think that uh, having conversations like with yourself and, and other people who I thought were like, wow, this guy's, this guy's taking a year off. This guy has figured out a way to make passive income. These are all very like big picture ideas to somebody who um, is trying to figure out themselves. And so one, I appreciate that. And two, I definitely imagine how this, that knowing the right people, the right times and being putting yourself in a place where you're exposed to different kinds of people who can give you those insights has been super valuable for me. And I, and I really recommend it for people who, uh, you know, dependent, no matter what you're where you are in life, but especially if you're in a place where you're trying to figure things out. Right. I mean, I think that the biggest, if I went back in my life and I was able to be like my own, you know, caretaker or whatever, like my like guardian angel or something like that, I would say you just need to believe in yourself, like, and dream bigger when you're young, you know, like when you're young, I dream, I, you know, I have met the, essentially the goals that I had when I was younger in, in some respects, in terms of like financial respects, at least. Um, but I probably could have achieved much more if I had shot higher. Mm. And I had a friend who shot higher, hundred like hundred percent believed in himself said, I just don't want to work. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And he did it. And he's done it. And it's done. <laughs> like, he's good for life, I think. So, like, I think I probably could have done more. And I'm still young, too. But, like, it's just how you approach things. If you approach things with, like, a cap on them, then you'll, then you'll reach the cap. But if you go capless and say, like, push something higher, it's like, okay. Like, there's a famous stupid line in the... Uh, facebook movie that says like i don't want a million i want a billion like that type of thing like mm. don't restrict yourself don't be absolute don't be unreasonable myself i'm not a billionaire i'm not going to be but like i could not probably, with that attitude that's what i'll tell you <laughs> i mean if that's what you want then definitely don't don't constrain yourself that's definitely the worst thing you can do and when i was talking to you when i first met you i was like you know uh, success and happiness are so are so relative to the personal experience. Like for you, like you would build, you know, for me looking at you, you would build a company out of college, like the amount of confidence and like uh, the ability to organize people, work with people, be a leader, all those very important things as what like a 20, 
four-year-old um, was, you know, fascinating to me because it's not exactly who I was at that period of time for sure. Um, and I mean, just in terms of like personality differences, I don't know that I, that's the type of person that I'll ever be, but like just the amount of success that you had, the fact that you did that, uh, even if it didn't turn out the way that you wanted is amazing. It's amazing at your age. And, um, you know, I thought that was, that was, that's probably who I thought I wanted to be at, like at that time or something like that. Um, so the, yeah, the fact that you actually achieved it and then like, yeah, it didn't end out the way end the way you wanted it. It was still like, who cares, man? Like go do the next one. Like, right. you know, you, you put three of those together, put three failures together over the next four years and then you're going to do something fucking awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. I also think that like I at the time was like, this is not where I want to be. But looking back now, I'm like super excited about what I did before, you know, because it led to what I'm yeah. doing now. And I've, because, you know, I'm a little bit older and I'm different. I mean, not that much, nine months. Right. But I'm in a different mindset. And in my mindset now, I'm saying like, even though right here, this, like, here's the chart, right. I, that was this dot and I'm at this new dot and this new dot's like, nothing crazy, but I can see, right. I can see this trend line. And, and I think that's also an important thing. It's like, we should be a collector of failures. Like I, I love it. Like, I don't want to say I love when people fail. I love it when people try things and when they try yeah, things and right. fail, I'm excited for them. Cause I'm like, wow, you're one step closer to like whatever the next thing is that you learn from. And sometimes the things you learn, like you don't even really take them for, like you take it for granted. You don't really realize how valuable it is that you're like, okay, this piece of information is going to translate to like 10 different things that I'm going to be faced with in the future. Right. And that's kind of like the synopsis of, of some of this discussion is that when I, but prior to 25, didn't try anything because I was afraid of failing. Worst thing you can do, you know, just, just go out and fail, go out and fail, go out and fail, or go out and like, don't hit the mark. You don't need to it's necessarily need to be called failure. But if like you wanted to make like a passive income of like a hundred thousand dollars and your investment only nets you 10,000, it's like, all right, well, that is a, a, I guess, kind of a failure, but also it's still, you know, part of what you're ultimately trying to achieve or something like that. So, and you're learning from it. That's the more important thing. So I've definitely, as I've gotten older, um, allowed myself more risk because at this point, I've actually created enough cushion where it doesn't affect my anxiety so much. And I realize now that like, okay, well, if this happens and it, and I lose all my money, then I learned a lot, you know, because, because, because I will have, I will then reverse engineer it and understand exactly what went wrong and what I, you know, what ideas I had and where they went wrong and, you know, who I trusted and how that went wrong. You know, it's mm. worth the money at this point. I almost feel I almost think of everything as college because college is very expensive, obviously $50,000 a year, you know, at this point, almost for a lot of colleges, um, you know, if you do, if you invest $50,000 and lose it in a year, all right, well, that was a year of college. Just make sure you learn from it, you know, like mm -hmm. take it down like that. If you put $10,000 in, that's what like two classes, you know, X amount of credits, whatever, like it's a, a life of learning. It's not just, it doesn't just need to be in the college setting or in the structured, like educational setting, like go put in X amount of dollars into a business and have it fail over two years. And then, yeah, how much, how much did that relate to your college experience and how much that costs, you know, everyone says college is so worth it. You know, at least running up to now, I mean, I think the pendulum's starting to swing the other way now, but uh, what else could you do with the money? 
And how does that right. play out later in your life? And I think that that same analogy, I think that's true for a lot of things, not just business and not just your career, but also relationships. Also, you know, other kinds of investments, right? Like you're never, as long as you're learning and you're growing, like you're never going to be behind. You're always going to be ahead of what, where you were before. Right. Step outside your, your comfort. So the first thing I did when I was like ready to date again, uh, post being 25 and having my back pain and everything was date a girl that is the complete opposite of any girl I've ever dated. Uh, and it was an amazing, it was really cool. I learned a lot from her. I thought she was awesome uh, in terms of just like who she was. It, we definitely weren't, you know, people that were going to end up together, but it, I learned a lot. She got me into Airbnb and now I make a good amount of my passive income in the Airbnb arena. Um, she was a big traveler. Uh, that was definitely, a, you know, a part of me starting a travel, you know, so stepping outside that opened up so many different doors for me to then follow and like self-create my own identity and like understand who I was. Absolutely. And speaking of travel, I'm excited. We're going to have to find some time to align and be in the same city in the near future. Um, again, I know you, you were here in Mexico a couple of weeks ago, but it felt like it went by really quickly. Well, I was uh, only there for yeah eight days. I wish I could stay the whole month, but I had other things planned this month. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mexico. So, yeah, it was great. So, and it's still great. Um, it's raining <laughs> a lot though. Okay, there's one one kind of last thing that uh, I wanted to ask, which is like, okay, you're at this place now. You're still really young. You got this like you could do anything really. Like there's so many things that you could create out of even just the next few years, but not you know not to mention a lifetime. What are some ideas that you have in your mind about like, and then maybe it's aspirational, maybe it's big picture things, but in terms of like what a future might look like that you're excited for? My own future. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be as broad or as specific as you like. I'm just curious what your thought process is. Um, my future, what I'm looking forward towards. Uh, I don't know. I'm in such a, you know, because I'm doing this fun, fun, fun employment thing right now. I haven't really developed too much of it. All right, here's my next step. Um, I think that I just, I like what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is my new, like, like um, shoot for the stars thing. It's not a huge shoot for the stars thing, but I do think it's, you know, outside the box enough to uh to align with what i believe in which is i want to be able to work when i want to work and uh you know for a period of time let's say 18 months and then take another nine months off year off i won't have that flexibility for myself and if i end up you know married with a family i won't have that flexibility with my family i want to be able to transfer that flexibility to my wife you know if she wants to take a year off go take a year off i'll work you know vice versa that's the kind of life that i'm really interested in because I'm the type of person who I definitely have enjoyed this year traveling. And again, I'm a sensation seeker. So I get my, I get my, my fill of that, but I also love structure. So then, and then I go back to work and do my structured thing that then supports my sensation seeking later on. So that's kind of what I've kind of uh, learned about myself in the last year or so. And I think that's what I kind of want to, at least at this time, continue on doing you know, I, I love that. Hopefully for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. I mean, that really is total agency because you, you, you painted this picture like it's not this big thing, but like being able to decide what you do every day and when you work and when you don't work and being able to choose with intention what part what what chapter of your, the chapter of life looks like really is like it's it really is in a lot of ways bigger than any kind of single business career accomplishment because it's like it's the answer of how to accomplish whatever you may f- want or feel or desire in the moment which i think is kind of what we're all going towards anyway so well, right and so the one i wanted to bring it back to was another thing that i would um, say is a summary of everything I've kind of gone over and what I would tell a younger me is is flexibility. Hmm. Flexibility in what you desire, flexibility in the moment, and flexibility as like an overall life strategy. So what I mean is like overall life strategy, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like I want to be flexible with whatever my future time is. And that's what I'm trying to develop, you know, in the long run. But flexibility in terms of what what makes you happy. Like you're gonna set out goals. Like I said, when I came out of college, I needed to be married by 30 and have you know kids and then be an associate or a director at like an engineering company. And that's what would make me happy. But like at that time, I also should have told myself, however, there's probably other paths that would also make me happy. Mm. So I had to go through that whole process in my 20s of being unhappy that I didn't have that before I then realized that like. I am happy now that it's not that. So like whatever, I think it's, it's important to set goals and to work towards things and to have passion towards things. As long as you in parallel are, are willing to accept alternate realities that may occur. Mm. And those aren't necessarily bad things, Mm. you know, find happiness in whatever happens, essentially, you know, be flexible, like, don't say if if we go on vacation and it rains, then it will be a bad time. Just say we're going to go on vacation and whatever happens, we will make it a good time. You know, that type of thing. Love that. I think that's a perfect way to end this. Thank you, Keith. This has been incredible. I'm excited for episode. This is already episode two with you. We did a, it's technically episode three, but the second episode, I don't know if we could, uh, it, it was technical, technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's, it's been, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Well, I appreciate you having me on Zan. Talk to you soon.